Hello and welcome to LOPR Aftershock on you on YouTube and watching Majiga Forever. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that currently I am just copying over links, so we are not live on YouTube. This is like a little bonus. Oh, I don't want that. This is like a little added bonus for the podcasty people who get to listen to me figuring out how to embed the show before we go live on YouTube. It's just a, an annoying little thing where maybe I should probably just mute the microphone. <laughs> but no, I'm going for it. Let's just see if it's centred. It's not centred and it's not bloody... Oh, there we go. Bloody done it. Right, update. I can go live on YouTube very, very shortly to talk about the show. It was an awesome show. Really enjoyed it. All right, bloody hell. I need to charge my phones on 1%. Again, it's like 5am over here. <laughs> it's really late. Oh. Anyway, let's bloody figure this out. Closing, closing that. I said I'm closing that. I'm going to YouTube. Here we go. Lovely jubbly. Retweeting that I'm live from something else. Here we go. <laughs> live on YouTube any second. Alright, let's switch that over to the actual AEW thing. Yeah, this has been a fun little intro, hasn't it? <laughs> Time for the real intro. Alright, I'm definitely, yeah. <laughs> I definitely was just speaking to people on the speaker just then. Anyway, let's go to AEW. Hello and welcome to LOP Radio, or I guess Wrestling Headlines Radio, as we're going through a name change uh, for AEW Aftershock. AEW Aftershock, Aftershock for AEW Revolution. It's nearly 5 a.m. over here. I'm allowed to make errors in certain things. Uh, live, if you are listening post uh, this going out, we are live immediately following the pay per view going off the air. I say immediately, it's been about 10 minutes or so, 10 15 minutes, just as I got everything set up, got a drink of water, post show pee. You didn't need to know that. <laughs> but I had every opportunity to stop myself saying that. <laughs> but nope, wasn't ever it anyway. Um, so, uh, the show has just finished, so this is like immediate reactions to uh, everything that went down. And overall, this was a damn fun show, which capitalised upon weeks of fantastic build, and the payoff was equal to the build, essentially. Like, this matches with the shorter build. Uh, you felt that on the pay-per-view, again, with everything else around it, those matches with the great builds with the uh, incredible amount of effort put into them for weeks, if not months, if not every single week following Full Gear, they paid off to full fruition on this show, which is it's great to see. Not only was the build great, but it led into this show. And from start to finish, it was just a joy to watch. And it was kind of, one of like a, a rehab over the past, like I guess, like couple of days, where like the hatred to... like. And the, the unhappiness with WWE has reached another point, but that happens after seemingly like every Saudi Arabia show. So it's not really, for me. That's not like really new. I tune out for all of those shows, so I don't have that same feeling. Like I'm sitting there thinking, "Why are you getting so invested in these outcomes? It's a Saudi Arabia show. <laughs> You're likely not going to enjoy it." Surprise, surprise! Most people didn't enjoy it. What? Five out of five? <laughs> that's crazy. So a lot of people going into this show like for like a wrestling fan rehab. Uh, like deliver us a good show. I like to. I'd like to enjoy wrestling. Have a happy time. Me personally, didn't watch Saudi Arabia. Didn't watch SmackDown. I've heard Smack from SmackDown was fine, but it kind of led on with the same emotions. Uh, so I'm coming into this with the last thing I watched being AW Dynamite on Wednesday. I'm in a really chipper mood. Like really enjoyed this. I'm like, I've not had really anything else to distract me from AEW like I got hyped on Wednesday I did the LOP radio preview with Sir Sam on Thursday and now I am live here having just finished watching Revolution and overall awesome show we're going to talk about the main event first because that is the thing that people care most about and as they are, we are live on speaker you can click on the just like a speech bubble thing you can send in the chat that way uh, also live on YouTube send anything in via the live chat if you're listening live when I say anything Seriously, engagement is all YouTube cares about. I do not care what you say. <laughs> in, the, in the kindest way, even a smiley face will do. <laughs> Just to show that you're alive, <laughs> I guess. Uh, hopefully there's no YouTube representative listening to this. <laughs> there wouldn't be. We were, we were Lots of Pain was essentially a, a dead channel for a little while, so we're in the middle of reviving it by just putting out content whilst in the background making more substantial stuff. And... My life is about to get so hectic soon that that's not going to be, like, very quick moving. <laughs> but, oh well, who cares? Right, so, hey, I'm per perfectly certain my mic's fine anyway. 
So we're going to start off with the main event, as that was the kind of big change that I did not see coming. Uh, John Moxley is your new AEW champion. This caught me off guard. I was not ready for this. I was not expecting this at all. I was just expecting a hard-fought match and John Moxley would somehow get screwed or somebody would interfere. Uh, I was like, well, they've set up Lance Archer. Could they, they even do a Moxley-Archer thing carrying on from New Japan, which they've seemed to also do? Just seen your smiley face, Kath. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so the... Yeah, so I really wasn't expecting Moxley to actually win. As, when he did, it was an awesome surprise. It was one of those things where I wasn't expecting it, but the fact that it did happen, I am really happy about. It's just like, actually, yeah, this is the... It feels like it's the right thing. Even though I personally was like, no, I feel like Jericho's reign should go on forever. I'm personally a massive fan of long times for reigns. I know there are lots of people who aren't. You just have to see people complaining about Becky Lynch in WWE. I really like her reign because it's... I really like those kind of long reigns with the person at the top who has definitely reached the kind of reaching a peak popularity point so why would you take the title off them unless they're like Sami Zayn where they're really good in the chase when they're like the babyface guy so yeah so I I I was thinking Chris could hold it for like an entire year or something ridiculous uh, like the Okada Mega Rain maybe maybe not that <laughs> so when John Mosley actually won that was that genuinely surprising for me it was great to see but I'll talk about the match overall uh both guys had awesome entrances, uh, Moxley walking in from the outside like a badass, and Jericho with the Inner Circle Choir rendition of Judas, uh, with, I've forgotten her Twitter name, but yeah, she, she's on Twitter, it's been tweeted about, if you go onto like, Wrestling Twitter you'll see uh, whoever, the, the actual singer herself, who did an amazing job, uh, she's uh, on Twitter, so awesome stuff there. Um, but the Judas rendition was simply amazing and led into the fans singing to and along to the actual song really well. So, like, all the thumbs up with that one. Uh, the match itself very quickly entered the brawl zone, as I called it, almost immediately into the crowd as we went on tour around the arena in Chicago. Uh, Aubrey, the referee, let them brawl how they wish, just, like, reiterating every now and again, they can't actually win out of the ring. <laughs> so you can have this brawl, like as long as just you two and the others aren't interfering, because Santana and Ortiz were there, being cheeky. Uh, but as long as they didn't like, directly interfere, Orby was fine with them being there. Uh, and Chris Jericho, Moxie's main event for the title, I'll let you brawl at ringside, but you, you're going to have to score pin for a submission in the ring. <laughs> that's, it. Well, that's all you really cared about, which was... I, I like that kind of thing where it does... I like the idea of referees having different refing styles, because it's something I'm used to with New Japan. At WWE, again, referees have no character, compared to Aubrey being one of the most over-acts in AEW, which is, like, crazy if, to think about if you go from, like, one company to another and their different ideas of presentation for the referees. Uh, it's just a minor thing, I feel like, really adds to like, the whole presentation. Uh, so, with this whole ball uh, along the inside, it's Moxley who ends up bleeding. Uh, a ring post bump cut that man up good, uh, followed by him being sent through the table that Omega and Hangman uh, set up earlier, with Omega stopping Hangman from sending one of the books through his uh, ringside table, which had a uh, the clock on it, not clock, the bell, the ring bell. <laughs> That's it. He had that on it, so they were they, they stopped that from kind of happening, and that came into the main event. So it'd been set up, they made sure you knew it was there, and then in the main event, it came into fruition with Moxie going through it. And he was bleeding underneath the eye patch. So I, my assumption was this wasn't meant to happen. He was bleeding underneath the eye patch and it was kind of pouring down. Uh, when he uh, Later on in the match, you, he did kind of lift the eye patch and you saw it, the cut. <laughs> so it was kind of evident. That, oh yeah, that's a proper gash that's going to, like, stitches kind of stuff. So yeah, a, a lot of blood was pouring down in this match. A lot of blood in this uh, pay-per-view, really. <laughs> quite a, it wasn't violent, but it did have quite a bit of blood in it. Uh, in this match, though, the numbers game with Santana and Ortiz did eventually come into play. Uh, they were laying the stomp down on Moxley when Effa, the referee, was turned around. It's one of those where they were getting the upper hand, but it's really just a matter of time before they got uh, kicked out, <laughs> which obviously did happen eventually, but I'll get to it then. Uh, so like, Moxley really was he was not just fighting Jericho, but he was fighting the numbers and the blood in his eye too. He was constantly fidgeting about with his eye patch, because like, obviously the blood coming out and it's underneath the eye patch. That's really uncomfortable. 
the odds were extremely great against Moxley. Again, the one added thing of the bleeding above the eye, that kind of felt like one more thing that was one thing too many for Moxley to handle. It's one of those like happy accidents. Where in terms of the story they were trying to tell, it was perfect. It was an absolutely perfect thing to happen. It just took things over the edge in terms of what Moxley can handle. Uh, and yeah, it's a happy accident. I like that. Uh, however, the one strength em- emphasised was Moxley and his training in submission with Randy Couture. I've not watched the videos. That came out of nowhere for me. <laughs> so um, it was specifically training with Randy Couture to counter Joko's finisher or the attempts to do it. And it worked. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw it work. We saw him flat out counter it into, I think it was an ankle lock or something. Uh, but it wasn't just that move. We saw the code breaker countered. Uh, he got for the paradigm shift, which then also got countered. We entered a nice little round we go sequence, as I've called it. Uh, eventually, Moxley then transfers into the walls of Jericho himself <laughs> in an awesome spot. Um, and Jericho climbs to the, uh, crawls to the ropes only for Moxley, like Jericho, just to drag him back into the middle. Um, and sit down into the team again. So much like how Jericho does it. <laughs> it was just kind of cool to see. Uh, and it took Jake Hager eventually coming down after Moxley was sat in it, where it's essentially the Lime Tamer. Jake Hager ran down. He, he made the save, allowing Jericho to finally hit the code breaker by the distraction and lock in the walls himself. Um, but this Moxley didn't, get, didn't didn't die down. He didn't, didn't take defeat very well. <laughs> so... Uh, the inner circle started getting angry. Chris Jericho pushing the referee and Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross on commentary saying, he, like, we're seeing right through this. He's just trying to get disqualified and referee Aubrey is not having it. She's just telling him to just stop. Then the inner circle themselves try to interfere with Jake Hager laying a punch on Moxley and ref Aubrey immediately ejects everybody. Out they go. Uh, Chris Jericho goes along with them, kind of complaining to purely, mostly just to distract Aubrey, because she, as she sends out everybody, Sammy Guevara, who wrestled earlier in the night, and I, dis, I hadn't clocked he wasn't there <laughs> with everybody else, he then grabs the title and runs into John Moxley, smashing it into his head. Down he goes, and of course he kicks out, <laughs> but the drama is there now. It's Chris Jericho by himself against Moxley, uh, and it's this thing of... Jericho is now by himself with John Moxley. Is the one situation Jericho had done everything in his power in the build-up to this match, in the months of build-up, the one thing he continuously tried to have not happen, and it's finally happened. And but the pro is again that happy accident, the bleeding eye. Moxley is not a hundred percent, and Jericho goes for that. He gouges his other eye, and that leads to. Moxley being blinded, uh, trying to th- swing in about, and is like, "Are you you blind, bitch? <laughs> you blind, you son of a bitch?" <laughs> I think what he was saying to him. Um, a Mox attempting punches, uh, but obviously missing. Uh, with Jericho continuing to lay shots to the head, with a like, pulling down his knee pad and dropping a knee on top of John Moxley's head, just to drive home the head pain. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that sentence, um, but. Uh, Jericho then goes to close things out thinking he's blind, I can just hit the Judas effect. So he he, he stands in the corner, then he go, charges towards Moxley, spins, Moxley ducks, and then knocks, knocks him down, pulls the eye patch off, reveals that he can see through the eye with the, that had the eye patch over. So even if he might have gouged one of them, he can see out of the other. Uh, paradigm shift. One, two, three, with the commentators going, he can see, he can see. <laughs> uh, Paradigm shift, one, t- oh, pardon, sorry, Paradigm DDT pulls off the eye patch, then full on Paradigm shift, one, two, three. Moxley actually won. Caught me by surprise. Um, as the, and then in the, after the match, he's got those uh, awesome wrist light things. Uh, I'll talk about them more in a second. Um, which were lighting up in the crowd, and John Moxley was posing with his new shiny championship. Uh, so uh, let the music play for a really long time. It's one of those where, in terms of keeping the audience's attention, sometimes when you play the music for quite a while, people expect something to happen. But they did the other thing, where it's the New Japan thing that I really like, where after they've had the match, the person who won the main event will speak to the crowd to send them home happy, or send them home booing even more if they happen to be the bad guy. And 
this was like yeah hit that note perfectly mostly because they do it after the match with no script and it's genuinely just them speaking to the crowd and it 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 works it's worked so well in New Japan for a reason so bringing that over to WWE uh, bringing that over to AEW is yet another it's another trope that I've seen elsewhere which I'm really happy to see portrayed in AEW so after the match he grabbed the mic essentially he just talked about how the title belongs to the fans uh, he's not going to hide. Line up them challengers. Uh, followed by a little bit of humour where it felt like he might have finished, but the people back stayed in the truck hadn't, hadn't really figured out if he'd finished or not, so he started playing his music. And Marcy's like, what the F? <laughs> just blatantly into the microphone, but because I'm on, on YouTube, I can't bloody say the word. <laughs> so yeah, just flat out swaying. And that kind of adds to genuineness. Like, he, he, like his first sentence out of his mouth, he swore, and that kind of adds to the genuine feel of it all. It doesn't feel like it's John. Yeah, it doesn't feel like scripted John Moxley hit these beats, uh, that hit these notes. It's just pure emotion from him, which was awesome to see. Uh, and, and again, I've, I've been through kind of the beats of the match, but I did. It was a really good main event. It played off of my expectations really well. I just again, I was just waiting for that thing to end the match. When Guevara was ran in with the championship, I was like, oh crap! I completely forgot about Guevara. And for me, I was just thinking that's going to be the ending. If it's not directly the ending, then it is going to be something that leads into and influences the ending. I was right, but for the complete wrong person. <laughs> so, uh, awesome to see that uh, I have my expectations turned round, but I'm re- still really, really happy with it. It's the advantage of putting so much effort into these bills and things. Uh, but that was the main event. What did you think about uh, John Moxley and Chris Jericho? Hit me up on whatever you're listening to. I keep forgetting to check. People listen on Spreaker, and I keep forgetting. <laughs> this is never a good thing. Yeah. Given for so long that was our main draw, and then bloody YouTube comes about. And with its inconsistent numbers, I'll be honest, because, yeah, especially if you're not covering WWE, that that's the one thing I've learned, especially for this show like this with Revolution. I'm not expecting huge people to uh, like to tune in. Like, I know the biggest uh, wrestling YouTuber people... They get their numbers are like a third, if not a quarter, of what a WWE show gets. So hopefully, in time, the quality of AEW increases this. But for now, we live in the world where it's WWE gets numbers and everything else is seen as like uh, not many casual fans watch it. But yeah, so and now I'm going to talk about the rest of the show uh, in order. I'll go from Dustin Rhodes all the way to ending on the really happy note of Orange Cassidy. <laughs> so that was such a fun match. Uh, but the last singing right at the start. So we got we got two people singing, and both of them nailed it. Uh, nailed it out of the park. Nailed it out of the park. It's knocked it out of the park, isn't it? Um, uh, the last who sang the national anthem didn't catch her name. Uh, like huge kudos because she didn't seem to flinch once at all with all that pyro going off around her. Like America, <laughs> and nothing. Like she just held the note perfect. You can see in her face is like, oh, I bloody nailed that. <laughs> like, yeah, well done, well done. Um, but the first match of the night for me was all right. Uh, but after that, the show just got better and better. Again, absolutely knocking it out of the park. But that first match was fine, I guess. Uh, just Dustin Rhodes versus Jake Hager. Personally, an interesting, the quotation marks, choice for a first match. A big hoss-like fight-slash-brawl of an opener. Uh, very different from the high-energy openers we've been presented so far with AEW's pay-per-views. Uh, but different is sometimes welcome. Like This match was nothing crazy, but it did its job in establishing Hager. Um, but again, I would say it was alright, though. So, eh. Uh, it does the match itself. Um, the inner, well, before the match, the inner circle's big hurts debut. He kissed his missus for a good solid minute <laughs> before getting into the ring, and then he was like posing with his new music playing. Um, one of my kind of wishes for this new version of, of Jack Jake uh, was that to differentiate himself from his swagger get-up and gimmick as much as possible. So the music and the MMA trunks, Hager certainly did help with that, so that was awesome for me to see. Uh, But Dustin Rhodes immediately took this into a brawl over the barricade for a bit of crowd fun. Uh, Hager gets the last laugh with a mighty Larry on the outside that sent Dustin crashing hard onto the floor. Uh, Enter 
Hager MMA submission holds. Let's work the arm, aka slow it right down. <laughs> uh, eventually, Dustin fought back, and to secure the momentum, he snogged Hager's wife at ringside. Wasn't expecting that, <laughs> with her shouting, that's disgusting. And then in the subsequent shot where it was like back in the ring with Hager on in control again, you could see his wife just getting the Dustin Rhodes makeup off of her face. <laughs> it was one of those things where I thought, hmm, okay then. But it, like, in terms of like a comedic shot, it did work afterwards where she's there cleaning the paint off. For me, that's like a little mini thing where it made it work, where when it happened, I was like, uh, okay then. <laughs> Yeah, right, sure. Um, but Jack, Jake Hager got on top from that, so it didn't work. Uh, chop block to the leg, Vader bombs. Like One didn't quite work, but he got the second one uh, from the corner. And big old big boy clotheslines from Big Hurt into the corners again with Dustin Rhodes. And you know, the gut wrench power bomb, that's what it's probably called. Uh, he hit that like slam into the middle, but he's no longer his finisher in AEW, so he only gets a two. Uh, pin was nonchalant, two kind of just lent on him. Uh, as pointed out by Jim Ross on commentary, uh, they did all right actually on commentary uh, tonight. I think there was only like one or two occasions. I was like, "Where are you going with this?" Uh, I well, it was. Oh, that was it. Where, where um, what, he was talking about Neville, uh, Excalibur was talking about Neville, and then Jim Ross. He, he was saying that um, if you did, if you didn't know where he was from, we'd say he's from a town called Malice. And then Jim Ross is like, I knew a woman called Alice. <laughs> Just uh, looking up and to the left, entering a dream sequence. <laughs> like, no, we're not doing a flashback, Jim. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, that, that was funny. Anyway, um, a big bump where Hager was launched over the top rope and landed face first onto the steel steps. Uh, Dustin manages to shortly after hit a Canadian destroyer, but is unable to capitalise. He goes for an armbar to try and truly take him down, but can't properly lock it in before Hager reverses into an ankle lock. He got that MMA slash amateur wrestling thing coming into play there, rather than lots of suplexes in his angle suit. Whatever the outfit's called, I call it the Kurt Angle suit. <laughs> I don't actually know what it is. Dustin uh, kicks the big man off, but the lad very nearly collides with referee Aubrey, allowing Hager to swing a stiff kick to the nads, uh, and then he locks in some... He locks in a chokehold, which he apparently has used and won with in MMA. So it links those two things together, which I think is quite nice. And again, adds to his MMA character and kind of distances himself from swagger. It, like this is, yeah, this is a Hager thing, not a swagger thing, and I like that. Um, it, but MMA is a world I know nothing about. <laughs> I, I tried to get into it; it's not for me. So it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know terms with that world. Um, and that's all she wrote for Dustin as Ref Aubrey calls for the bell. Um, an odd one to kick off the show. It was fine, but not really anything I'm going to remember past tonight. And already forgot. On to the next match. That was a reference. I wasn't being a dick. <laughs> uh, second match of the night. Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allin. Now, here we go. Uh, surprised this didn't kick off the show with its high energy and no-nonsense pace. Um, with Darby Allin immediately diving through the ropes, launching himself at the Inner Circle Man before the bell could ring. Um, both guys were over as hell from the entrances, especially Darby Allin. Like, they have got a star in that man. Um, who knows what happened after Darby Allin dove onto, onto Guevara because my internet cut out. Like, cue, minute of, cue a few minutes of panic <laughs> as my internet cuts out and I'm just stood there with nothing. It's like, oh, this has happened. This happened once already this year where I've just, it just didn't come back. So I've got to go to the router, turn the internet off, wait. And hopefully when I turn it back on, like the internet arrives again. Luckily I was fine. Like The other night, I was, I was just about to go live. And I was already live. I've been live for like 10, 15 minutes. Then it just went and never came back. It's like, oh, oh, well, all right. And yay. But it returned just in time for an, that insane 6.30 to the outside through a table by Guevara. The madman. Like, yeah, the first thing I saw, I saw Darby Allen dive to the outside and then next, and I've missed missed everything. And next thing I see is the six thirty, which is like the end of the outside sequences. But it's like the peak. It's like, oh well, this is built to something. <laughs> Clearly, things went up in, I guess, in in uh, animosity from the dive because <laughs> we've resulted in this crazy thing, uh, which was amazing. 
the match then probably got underway. Uh, incredibly fast-paced, hell of a lot of reversals. This was absolutely perfect, quick-fire wrestling at its finest. Uh, in the end, it was Allen's reversal that had his opponent down long enough to land his finisher from the top. I think it was like a slumdog millionaire of sorts, uh, or like a stunner reversal when it looked like that Guevara had nailed like a brain buster or something and just immediately reversed it. Uh, and Dobby only flew down with a coffin drop and received one hell of a pop for the win. Yet Darby Allen is over. Like AEW have a star in that man and a dance partner to match in Sammy Guevara. AEW building the future damn well right there. That's the example. Have you ever seen somebody like putting out on Twitter it's like, oh, they're not building up any stars for the future? But we can't possibly be watching the show <laughs> if you say that. That's all I can really say. That's all I can really see from that is if you see that kind of comment, well, they're clearly just not watching because they are. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> they they are doing it. So I don't understand that. Now I got a little bit of a shock because it was third match of the night from a fine opener and then a really high energy, uh, no nonsense uh, from two really fast wrestlers um, after that. And then we go to the tag match with arguably the best story arc in wrestling for a character in Hangman Page. So, time to grit your teeth in reaction to a tense situation. The elite is fine. <laughs> They're fine. Uh, so, side note, I just want to talk about the wristbands now, before I get into this awesome match. Uh, those wristband lights were such a cool idea, like lighting up in accordance to the different points of the show, uh, colours matching the entrances of the wrestlers. It's like, oh, it was such an awesome visual. Like, this show looked really, really good. Uh, when I first saw it, it's always it's a light on the stage ramp, and you've got lights in the middle, uh, which kind of add to that as well. You've got two screens either side, which is kind of like the normal setup for AEW, because of course they were lower for this one, for this set- stage setup. But the wristband lights really added to it. Like if you're talking about something uh, special, which adds to the production of a pay-per-view event, and the fans get something from it as well, like, oh, it just ticks all the boxes. <laughs> it's such a cool thing. Um... So first impression, after all four men had made their entrances, all four of those men are so over. Uh, like This is what happens when you consistently nail your build. Uh, like, it's so much to read into in terms of characters in the story before the bell even rings. like Just reading the body language, like, the young books were looking cocky, Omega conflicted, Hangman drunk probably. <laughs> it's too early to tell at this stage. Uh, before the match gets going, we're reminded to read Jim Ross's book, so I thought I might as well write that down. <laughs> uh, Chicago was so loud for Hangman, like loud, <laughs> chanting cowboy S-word, chants on YouTube, can't bloody say it, which is irritating. Bloody's my limit, I can't, I'm can't. i not able to go past that, unfortunately. Uh, Young Bucks booed as Matt Jackson holds a hand out and they see through the fame that it is, and yeah, it's, but yeah, yeah. I've just completely lost my place. <laughs> he holds his hand out, and in response, Adam Page spits in his face, like demanding competition, essentially. Like, enough of this crap. Uh, which snaps Matt, <laughs> who uh, essentially he needed Nick to tag him out to calm him down. So, Matt Jackson was really the first one to break, because essentially, Hangman came into this already past his limit, and Matt Jackson was the first person who wasn't at that point yet to immediately jump to it. Uh, so when Nick tagged him, Hangman was still demanding more from the books. And that was enough to bring out the fire. Uh, dickhead books activate. <laughs> it's such, like, such an awesome version of the Young Books. Uh, more booze for the books. And as this is all kind of building and happening, like this is such an engrossing story. Like Characters that are so damn easy to get invested in. You know, this, this beginning portion of this match was just pure character stuff. Uh, with Kenny Omega being the only voice of reason... Uh, with Hangman so focused on winning and the books so pissed at Paige, uh, the takeaway here being how amazing the young books are as dickheads. Like, amazing athleticism met with a middle finger bulldog. <laughs> it's just like an awesome mix. Uh, Kenny still going in the vein of competition, which was set up on Dynamite as no ills, this is the business. But the other three men were so amped and going at each other that it's like he's fighting a losing battle in that sense. Quite literally fighting a losing battle for that. Um, you can almost feel the water is about to bubble over, is how Jim Ross put it on commentary. Uh, the books, uh, so this went, then the books started being a little bit cheeky, like pulling Paige off of the apron, uh, Matt Jackson then upping the ante with a pile driver. 
Like, it switched from Hangman being the one antagonising to now the books were the ones upping the animosity. Like, well, until Hangman got back in and the one-man wrecking crew ran wild with the cowboy stuff, uh, besting both books on his lonesome, capitalised with that, uh, that, oh, I guess full stops, with that glorious moonsault. It's uh, 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 moonsault. I've not listened to a scalibur close enough. And I'm not nerdy enough to actually know what it's called. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I call it Alibaba. <laughs> and soon followed with a rebound clothesline from Hell, where he was running backwards and forwards like a Roman Reigns super spear, <laughs> and then hit the clothesline from Hell. Uh, after the animosity earlier, uh, Paige di- uh, after that, I guess that animosity, uh, Paige directly calls in Matt for a slugfest, pushes Nick Matt, uh, Nick Jackson into the corner, and demands for Matt, and they enter that punching slugfest. Um, Omega tags in for some double manoeuvres with capitalised with a scary pop-up German with Paige dropping Matt high on his head. Um, that's not enough and Omega quickly tags back out. In goes Hangman. Like, Omega, still not at that point. Or, like, still not. Um, it's not a, it's not enough, out he goes. And then Hangman is the one who then ends up taking a lot of the book's offence because then he's like kind of two-on-one as Omega recovers. Um and the Young Bucks, at this point, still getting booed. Even an awesome sequence with Nick Jackson that ends up with him like uh, jumping over the rope onto the ramp, which the ramp led to, just like the last pay-per-view at Full Gear, the entrance ramp joined up to the ring. So same here, so he can jump over the rope and can just land immediately on the ramp. And he did that, and before springing back in with a Canadian Destroyer. Still, they got, like, the move got a cheer, but afterwards the Young Bucks still getting booed. Like, even awesome destroyers aren't going to pull this crowd away from the hangman. Like, they are so invested in his character. Like, this is... When you put, when you put time and effort into it, uh, and consistency with the build, and you got the characters kind of reacting to it in that way, it's like, oh, it's working such a treat. Uh, the crowd start chanting, this is awesome. And that acted as kind of like a tad of a rest as that, as that chant soaked in. That was a tad of a rest for me, where I then realised how fantastically paced this match had been. Like, building perfectly, allowing the conflict to play out instead of jumping to the crazy sequences too quickly. Like it, They were allowing the conflict to show itself. Um, uh, a surprise to me, Paige does the dance. He spins and he shouts, Chicken wing! <laughs> Skill to AW confirmed. <laughs> that was that really popped me, him just doing that. Like Another thing that ties into the Elite storyline is Marty Skull, who is that kind of a massive vacancy, a massive apparent vacancy for the elite in AW. Uh, the Omega Page combination were on fire, hitting the books with everything. So many awesome spots, uh, but this was the moment that Big Match Omega finally arrived. In the flow of the moment of the match, he finally reached the, that point and hit them boys pay per view style. Um, again, that ended with a scary reverse Rana <laughs> to Omega after like a buttload of V triggers. Uh, scary reverse Rana to Omega f- um, from Nick. Uh, Omega landed high on his head from that. Uh, Matt then hit three Northern Lights suplexes to Page on the ramp, with the last one launching the cowboy onto the li- lighted up area of the ramp. Um, then shouting, get your ass up. Uh, but more directing, Hangman. And then he set him up for the Undertaker on the ramp as Nick flied in and they hit the move. That's Page down. Now an interesting combination as the Jacksons have Omega 2-on-1. The crowd boos as the lads go right after their friend and hit his own tag finisher in the golden trigger for a one count, only one. A double super kick is also met with only a one. Uh, Matt gets angry and stamps on Omega's shoulders, rips off his tape, and that's when he realises what he's doing. And Once again, Nick Jackson is there to snap him out of it. And they were like, let's just go for the Meltzer driver and end this. But Hamman grabs Nick off the apron and one mighty powerbomb through the table. Uh, the buckshot V-trigger isn't enough. Omega can't lock in the one-wind angel uh, after that either. But Hangman can. <laughs> Surprisingly, he, he tags back in and he becomes an eagle man and he hits the, uh, yeah, the one-wind angel on Matt Jackson. One, two, but that's enough time for Nick Jackson to get back in. The crowd stand in appreciation at this point. And Nick is uh, then put onto the ramp. And he's met with a bookshot lariat on the map. 
on the map, on the ramp, which is revenge for earlier with the uh, Indie Taker. Uh, Bookshot Lariat to Matt in the ring. One, two, three. And it's Hangman who gets the uh, victory here. Omega and Hangman retain. So many exclamation marks in my notes. <laughs> it's a stupid amount. Um, after the match, an incredible match. Like people are, Immediately people are calling it like match of the year kind of stuff. For me, the reason it is that high is because of the character work in it. Like you are, it built and it built and it built, and just like Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks for uh, that took place in New Japan, uh, I want to say it was either last year or the year before. It was the Bullet Club is fine kind of angle, and well, Cody was a massive baddie, so it must have been 2018. God, that's like two years ago. Anyway, <laughs> I don't realize time's flying. Uh, yeah, that was a, it was an incredible match. For me, it was amazing. It was perfect. It was modern day wrestling at its absolute finest incorporating that storytelling thing with the high spots and it, it just made you care so much and the entire time you're feeling tense as you're seeing that animosity play out it was done so damn well uh, but uh, after the match all four stayed in the ring uh, the books are holding up their hands to shake their hands like the spirit of the competition thing N- not even Omega seemed up for it they seemed reluctant it, although he didn't fully push them away, he was happy to kind of stand by them, but wasn't like fully like shaking their hands and accepting that. Uh, Hangman was having none of it though. He walks out of the ring and kind of just stands on the apron, uh, and the hint is dropped. And then after you see the hint dropped, he just drops the tag title onto the apron and holds onto the rope with both hands, just like he does when he swings in for the buckshot lariat as Kenny Omega stands in the middle. But then he just lets go of one hand and calls Kenny Omega over. Like, you saw him think about it. He did it so well. Where you saw him think about it for a split second, and then as soon as Omega turned around, he didn't pause or anything. He immediately went, come on. Like, he'd made his decision before he turned around, essentially. That was just storytelling brilliance. Yeah. (laughs) Omega. Uh, So, instead, we didn't get Bookshot Lawyer. Instead, he called over Omega and they walked up the ramp together uh, with Paige and his beer. Uh, But the Lariat was teased. They dropped... As in, this is AW telling you they're going to do it. But we're not going to tell you when or how. (laughs) Which is... It's just perfect teasers. This This entire match, from the moment that the video played, hyping it up to the moment that they did the tease for the Bookshot Lariat and then walked up the ramp... Just for me, it's like best, it's perfection essentially. Like this is why this match, this entire thing is like why I'm a fan. <laughs> it was so damn good, capitalizing on months and months and months of story. Like for me, the best thing is they're not doing anything. I put out a tweet yesterday saying AEW aren't really doing anything crazy. They're just telling stories like every other show on television. But compared to WWE, it's revolutionary. It's <laughs> just that idea of a continuing story that can last on for months and it builds and the whole kind of universe is together in these stories that build. You're not on your own passing ship or not allowed to interact with anybody who is not on your ship. Like, yeah, it's... Oh, the whole world feels so much more alive and this storyline with Hangman is amazing. Like, there's just so much depth to it and they're dropping hints for... Yeah, the, the big thing is they know where they are going with it. And for, for me, that is the most important thing about... Like the entire, I guess the entire story that they're doing is they know where they're going. Therefore, you can drop things in and put little hints of what might happen. When you know where you're going, you can do that. It's not, it's not a crazy idea. Like <laughs> most stories, do this. <laughs> it's not crazy to know where you are going, and therefore that has massive benefits. So, like all the th- like all the stars, all the thumbs up. This was an absolutely amazing match. Go watch this. Even if you're somebody listening to this who isn't massively high on AEW, which is begging the question, how and why are you listening to this? But also, but uh, I just recommend this in its entire. I don't know if it hits as well if you haven't watched it. Maybe the VTR does its job, but yeah, this is just wrestling at its peak at the moment. It could get, for all I know, it could get better. This happens with New Japan. <laughs> We're like, oh, Wrestle Kingdom was amazing. There'll be nothing better than this. And then you just watch the rest of the year and there is stuff better than that. Like, the G1 Climax throws out so many matches the years by itself. Uh, next up, AEW Women's Championship. Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander in a rather great match. It's just a shame it was in the come down spot after that amazing tag 
which had fans in attendance like holding in their toy toy needs and they were coming down from it. Like you saw loads of comments like even going into Cody MJF, which were people just saying, I've not come down yet. <laughs> like I'm struggling to get invested in this match because I've still not come down from that tag match. So maybe it's one of those where third on the night was perfect for the tag match, but the card that then followed it, it took a while to get back in, which is like the next two matches maybe suffered from it. Even though fans were invested in, especially MJF Cody, yeah, they just struggled to get into it. So uh, the women's championship was Alien versus Native Beast, a champion of power with surprising athleticism versus a challenger with great athleticism and surprising power. Uh, Statlander in trouble early on after a dive to the outside ends in a meeting of fate and ramp, uh, followed up by an awesome spear through the ropes from Nyla. Um, ensue a fair amount of time with Rose in control and doing the big move. Bah! <laughs> I slam you. Bah! Submission. Bah! <laughs> I'm a baddie. Bah! Uh, yeah. It was uh, this led to an awesome spot with Statlander in trouble. No, no trouble. Statlander uh, draped. That's what I'm looking for. Draped over the ropes. Nyla climbs to the top for her diving knee, but as she climbs to the top rope, Statlander just stands onto her hands and handstand walks into the ring. (laughs) That was like my favourite spot of the match. (laughs) I absolutely loved that. Um, Yeah. and then that, that resulted in her getting the uh, momentum back, which was kind of awesome to see. This then built to her hitting a nasty-looking suplex on Nyla Rose. Uh, it did not go well, like, at all. Uh, but it then transitioned very, very quickly, seemingly, into a powerbomb from the corner attempt by Nyla, which was then countered into a head-scissors attempt from uh, Statlander, which was then countered again into a powerbomb, but they kind of struggled in the lifting for the powerbomb bit, and in the end, Nyla Rose got a high enough to then slam her down, so it was, like, safe enough. And, yeah, it got a little bit sloppy at the end, but it didn't really matter. It did its job. They managed to hit the powerbomb to make Nyla Rose look like that beast anyway. So that was kind of the important thing. They kind of got that done anyway. A fine match... That was, unfortunately, the calm down before the next storm in Cody versus MJF. Uh, Nyla got her big Hoss title defence and looked strong in doing so. Like Really, this was the final piece in hopefully setting us down the road onto the more formed era for the women's division. Like They've put in a lot of the work and a lot of the pieces. And I feel like this match was the final piece before they really do start building after this. Maybe. <laughs> you always put a maybe on there because it feels like they've put in a lot of good work making little changes going into Revolution and for me it's kind of thinking after Revolution you can truly start building to the next pay-per-view with a much clearer direction and time to get you invested in what's happening maybe we'll see what happens <laughs> the rest of AEW and the way that they've started addressing the criticisms and issues like especially in the last month like it, it paints this uh, kind of expectation in my head that they will address the women's division next because it is the one outstander. It's the one thing that clearly needs, still needs to be addressed and kind of fixed and given a bit more clear direction like everything else on the show. Uh, like the men's singles title and the tag team titles has got the awesome story as well. It's the women's one that's next, essentially, in that list. Next up, MJF versus Cody. This match went exactly how I expected slash it was exactly what I wanted from the match. Full of story and shenanigans. Uh, the Cody experience, if you will. Uh, that, that just sounded like a posh butler. <laughs> Does that English people can't do the Dusty Rhodes thing. Um, first comment, oh my god, the robe. Oh wait, no. Oh my god, the tan. <laughs> Got a tad hard on the stuff there, Maxwell. Um, to nick a gag from Jimmy Carr, I'd describe your tan tonight as borderline racist. <laughs> man, that one man was orange. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, Cody got played out by Downstate with Stephen Amell out for a quick hello and the entire Nightmare family on the ramp with him as the pyro fired high. Um, an awesome visual, if not entirely pleasant to listen to. <laughs> I felt like Downstate, like towards the end of the song, maybe got a bit more into it but when they were like cheering in the crowd, but it was a little bit shaky to start with. Yeah, not entirely pleasant to listen to. <laughs> Uh, the match itself had MJF capitalising on every opportunity that presented itself, whilst Cody was literally launching himself at the man, especially at the start. And there was 
top-notch teamwork from the Nightmare Collective, not the Collective, Nightmare Family to take down Wardlow. Nightmare Collective is dead. <laughs> yes, Nightmare Family teamed up together to take down Wardlow with Brandy throwing a drink in his face to give chase. Uh, Arn was there with the halt and then Cody dove with the Tope Suicida. Down goes Wardlow. Job done. However, as I just stated, after that, MJF was able to capitalise on the distraction and stretch the man down for the next few minutes, it felt like, uh, trapping his limbs and making him stretch to the ropes with his head, uh, then ripping off Cody's boot and biting his broken toe from the moonsault off the cage back on Dynamite two weeks ago, linking that into the match. Like, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Cody got his revenge and strikes back, resulting in Arn grabbing a chair to combat the now back on his feet Wardlow. Uh, next thing, MJF's dripping with blood as he dons the infamous Crimson Mask. I didn't see what happened. Maybe I was writing notes down so I missed it, but didn't really see that it happened. Which was something, like, immediately it seemed like that was something that's kind of a tad, it set a tad of a fire in the man. Uh, but also led to a run of shenanigans. Wardlow lifted MJF's legs onto the ropes after a Drake DDT, or face buster DDT thing. But the ref saw it. Go, go, wait a minute. Uh, Brandy jumped onto the big man to try and take him down, but he just caught her. Uh, then he lifted her onto his shoulders and teased, hitting his finisher. Uh, Cody stops him and runs with the big boot, but Wardlow pushes him aside and then he goes into on Anderson. Down goes Anderson. Uh, followed by a low blow by MGF and the American Nightmare just survived in the match. Uh, Cody right back into being equal after a suplex took both men over the top rope, crashing to the floor with them only making it back into the ring. And Cuba segment where they get onto their knees, they slowly climb to their feet and lay haymakers or wrestling punches, not quite haymakers, which is not wise against a Rhodes where he does the spinning arm thing and the elbow. It didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> but it was that first split second. Like, oh crap, don't mess with the Rhodes. Uh, be careful with that. And, uh, yeah, Rhodes was on top and he locked in the crossroads, which was reversed by MJF into his own version. The double cross only gets a two. Uh, and our lovable chap in MJF, the salt of the earth, grabs... What did he bloody grab? He grabbed something. Oh, what do you believe? Grab! I'm so tired. <laughs> the belts—that was it. I was like, he whipped him with something. <laughs> he grabbed to, uh, Cody's belt to potentially whip him. Uh, the ref's having none of it though, and and in swings the Lobo blow from MJF as he takes that away. Uh, Cody then grabs the belt and whips the hell out of MJF. The the referee only allowing two because he he had one, and then he tried to take it away from him. And Cody was like, "I just I'm only going to do one more. Then I'll get rid of it." And the rest like, ah, oh, fine. <laughs> so he hit what in, and he properly went in with it, <laughs> doing that. Um, which was kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a mighty, mighty swing. He made that second one count. Uh, after which MJF was like in the corner, kind of cowering. Uh, then he, MJF feigned like the hugging of Cody and forgiveness, forgiveness. It looks like Cody's never buying it, but he's not ready for MJF to spit in his face. Uh, Cody... Retaliates pretty well, hits a crossroads, but Cody ain't pinning the man after all that has happened. Uh, a second crossroads, not yet, still not up in there. Uh, Cody amps up the crowd for a, fir- for a third, really trying to get them, like, come on, let's, let's finally put him to bed. He did this exact thing as well against our super bad Chris Sabin, got his name eventually. But we lift up MGM, MJM, MJF, who's able to land in a couple of strikes and wham, with the diamond ring loaded fist, Wardlow had slid into the ring. One, two, three, MJF wins. Poor Cody with a with the cheeky tactics finally paying off. It's like, yeah. Yeah, well, I was talking about the main event where it was like, we do, we do all the cheeky things and you make you forget about one of them. In this case, it was Sammy Guevara. Here it was the diamond ring. You just kind of, until it slid into the ring by Wardlow, you just completely forgot about its existence. So I guess, decent on that. For, for me, this match was, again, it was fine. I I felt like it was going to build to a certain point and maybe start to exceed it because of how strong the story was. But then it wasn't. The story they were painting was MJF's ability to win by any means necessary rather than this is going to be a crazy blood feud. But it still feels like it's long-term setting up crazy blood feud. Like, you don't 
blow your load on the immediate one. Like, no. Yeah. Right. I've realised I've only got one match left. I'm going to take a quick swig of water because I've been on for about an hour and it's getting towards 6am. There's birds chirping outside. You can't hear it because I've got everything locked up really well. Mm. Oh, nice cold water. Bright side about being February and the temperature being crap is that the water feels like it's got ice in it when it hasn't. It's <laughs> a mini thing. I'm kind of changing the tone because we've gone from... Uh, I thought Cody Rhodes and Jeff was fine, but I could possibly see them spending way more time on this or saving it for down the line or whatever. Again, it was fine. It was middle of the pay-per-view. After watching it, it suddenly made sense that it wasn't the penultimate match or something like that. It was it was fine where it was placed. Because then we had essentially another come-down match before our main event, which is what I'm going to end the show on. To all the serious stuff has already happened. However, Pack versus Orange Cassidy was probably my second favourite match of the night. And Mossy Jericho hit all of the right notes that it had to, and the story they told was perfect. But in terms of what would I go back and watch just to enjoy, it would be the tag match. And it would be Pack versus Orange Cassidy. <laughs> I loved this match. Oh, Darby Allen Guevara as well, especially as I missed a big chunk of it. Yeah, but Pack versus Orange Cassidy, joke's on you, he's going to try. We can't confirm that. That's a 10 out of 10 build. <laughs> is Orange Cassidy going to try? <laughs> and the crowd are chanting, he's going to try. He's going to... Like, the crowd are into everything, Orange Cassidy, especially this um, Chicago crowd. They are popping for the man simply hitting a move. Never mind. And, and they were popping for him simply hitting a move. And he was getting standing ovations for hitting one sequence. <laughs> it's like, he's got this wrestling thing figured out. <laughs> like, maximum reaction for minimal wrestling. Or minimal bumps and effort. It's like, oh, he, he's got this figured out. Like, he's going to have a longer, much, much longer career. But uh, after you've got your normal uh, Orange Cassidy shenanigans that we've seen him doing outside of matches, uh, the pop-up and whatever... Uh, Pack soon got right on top and viciously launched the freshly squeezed man all over ringside. Uh, the bastard right on top for the middle portion of this match. But Cassidy just kept kicking out. Uh, and he wasn't hitting any finishes, but he was hitting kind of big moves and just kicking out. So eventually, Pack had enough. And it's so an avalanche brain buster it is. <laughs> that was just a devastating move which almost took out Kenny Omega. Uh, the fact it was... Orange Cassidy were like, well, he's lower down the totem pole. Could this be enough to take him out? Not quite. So then he goes for the Black Arrow. He, get, he perches on the top rope. He's going to just end him. He's taking him out with the Avalanche Brain Buster. And Orange Cassidy just rolls to the edge of the ring. Just rolls away. And so then yeah, Pac changes which corner he's on. And he just rolls to the other side. <laughs> and again... Uh, it's the best counter to a lad with a top rope finisher just roll away <laughs> it's genius uh, which was met with this is wrestling chance as the as he just continued to roll <laughs> I, thought, I love it when crowds get invested like this so uh, that was awesome to see uh, Pack eventually just read his rolls and met him uh, at the edge and Cassidy full on grinned <laughs> just smiled at him and then just rolled away <laughs> Uh, and then Pax is at ringside just like uh, but him rolling away kind of smiling casually it was a con Cassidy then suddenly lit up and dove right into the honey badger uh, and then he back into the ring off the top rope he just launched uh, running speeding DDT thing and a two count as Pack escapes uh, and oh it was it was so good uh, Neville Neville uh, Pack got back into it. Sometimes WWE just slaps me across the face. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Pack, yeah, Pack got back into it and he clocked the bugger. Uh, but every time he tried to land a final blow, Cassidy reversed. Uh, Pack went through a spell where he couldn't hit anything. Like a top rope bulldog was spun into a DTT. Uh, back up, as in as in uh, the British bulldogs thing, not as in a running bulldog. Bulldog's not right. Power slam. That's what a bully meant to say. <laughs> like a power slam reversed into a DDT. Oh, I was like, oh, that was well crazy. Uh, back up, back up. Cassidy jumped with a DDT, as in back up onto the top, just launched himself into a, fell into a DDT. Uh, but Pax, it was his turn to roll away. 
However, the best friend went rings up this entire match, and they just threw him back in, as in Chuck Taylor dis- distracted and Trent threw him back in. And Orange Cassidy met him with a Superman punch, and the, the commentator's just like, wait, what was that? <laughs> like a proper running move. Uh, then he hit another big slam thing and didn't quite catch it, uh, which went for the pin and another kick out. And it's kind of like, they're building up momentum. Trent is on the ramp, uh, Chuck Taylor's at ringside, and Orange Cassidy's amping up the crowd. When the Lucha Bros run out, they take out the best friends, or take out, take out one best friend, and the other one does the running uh, running tope onto them, or over the top rope flippy thing. Uh, that is enough with best friends taken out, Orange Cassidy distracted, Pack locks into submission, and he wins. And that's the end of that. This match was so much fun. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Like Every single minute. It was so damn great. I genuinely enjoyed it. Like it's all the thumbs up going into that main event. Like for, for me, I thought the opening was a bit air, but the rest of the show for me was uh, just emblematic about how much I've been enjoying AEW on television, and it just paid off massively or set things up for the future incredibly well. Uh, names were made and they kind of established that MJF beating Cody is massive for MJF. It's 100% the thing that was needed. As my fridge, t- if a bit of a spoiler, my house is so massive I currently record. In a kitchen. <laughs> but it's five it's about six AM. Why is my fridge making a noise? And <laughs> it's quite far away. It's not it's not like the most cramped room in the world. So there is like there's space for a desktop computer, for example. <laughs> Just to emphasize it's not exactly the smallest room in the world, but what are you doing, fridge? <laughs> so you're not tuned in for me to have a conversation with my fridge, uh, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that is the case. Uh, anyway, yeah, this show is emblematic about how much I've been enjoying Dynamite and the thing, which was the next test, that, that hey, they had done a solid build where it felt like one of the best built-to pay-per-views in like recent American like, mainstream wrestling history. People were comparing it to pay-per-views from before I started watching. I started watching 2005, so these are like early 2000s. So it's like WWE kind of peak times they're kind of referring it to is the last time they felt this invested going into a pay-per-view because of what had come before. Uh, for me, it's Money in the Bank 2011. Like, the level of investment for that show, and just like that show, the level of investment and effort put into the build paid off. Difference was, like, that pay-per-view still had, like, the three-week build formula of WWE, as in one pay-per-view, then they just moved on to the next one. Compared to AEW, where they spent months building these stories, and I'm really, really enjoying that, where it's months between pay-per-views and things have time to breathe. It's just like I said with the tag team match, where they allowed time for the conflict to play out, which meant so much to the overall thing. It meant so much. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so positive on this show. I'm so ow. I'm so positive on AEW show, I'm, and that leaves me being positive on this show. It's six a.m. I'm going to bed. <laughs> it's only a one-hour thing. Uh, I'm, if I was Steve, I'd be at a decent, more decent a time. If I had Jan, I would have uh, more energy. I just realised I didn't say anything about why Jan's not here. Uh, normally for AEW, I'm joined by Jan Man from the Kingdom of Honor slash. He, he was our, he's one half of our Dynamite After Dark review team who do they go live immediately after Dynamite here on LP Radio or whatever. We're still LP Radio for now. Um, but he was unable to do this one uh, because of rip, just genuine consequences of things. Uh, also, a quick note, uh, for me, I live here in the UK and it was once again awesome. I went onto Fight TV, uh, the Fight website, and I was able to buy the pay-per-view for just £15, which is... When I see the amount that the my friends from across the pond have to pay and I see £15, I'm like, I feel like I've stolen this. <laughs> Even though, like... I. Like it is available for me to you know actually steal it. I just don't do that anymore, especially because I cover it for a website like this that I don't feel comfortable pirating essentially when I'm doing this kind of thing. But yeah, so plus fifteen pounds when you're you know you're a bit older, you've got this thing called a job. Like sure, it's not the most in the world, but fifteen pounds is suddenly like nothing, especially when you look at the cost. Of, like if it was the same cost, but uh, like if it was the American cost, I would question it. I probably wouldn't buy it, probably wouldn't be doing this for you right now. If I had, I wouldn't have done it via good re- means, because <laughs> that's way too expensive. So £15 is like an absolute steal, especially when I enjoy it this much. Like It's a it's a night of wrestling I've generally enjoyed from start to finish. 
especially that tag match. Uh, we've seen something special there. Uh, was it better for me? It's was it better than Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks? Which for me is like I named it like the best tag team match I've ever seen, just because of the story involved in it and the the emotion of it all. People comparing it to that, and for me that's like incredibly high regard. As in when we when we're comparing those two matches, it means so much in terms of like the quality of them. Oh, it was. An amazing show to watch. I'm so hot. And of course, they have John Moxley at the end as champion. Uh, and that changes the landscape because we've been so used to Chris Jericho as Le Champion. And he, he was an amazing first champion. To give Chris Jericho his chops and his dues, I, he was such a great first champion. I was happy to see him in that role for pay per views to come. But they told the story the entire time. That he was scared of John Moxley. He never wanted to be in the ring by himself with John Moxley. And when that finally happened, he got his ass beat. But that just it tells the story so wonderfully that I can't be upset at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though I would have gone with Joko for ages because of how fantastic a role he was doing, this title change here. Like it's, it's, it's not the wrong one. For me, when you set something up so well and you build your characters up again so well, that means that you can go either path and both are fine. But if you do have that long-term plan and you know where you're going with it, uh, then, yeah, then there's no worries at all. And and you've done it in it's one of those ones where this is like the fork in the road where you've got no idea what's down the thing. But you can see that, yeah, we've left Jericho now. Left, We've left Jericho Station and we're at Moxley, I want to say Gate. <laughs> Random England football stadium influences in there. Anyway, uh, before I log off, I have just noticed the that Kath has hit up. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, regular listener Kath has hit up on speaker, so I'll just read these out. It was a very good main event, it bloody was, and hi Fridge, you're a star. <laughs> Screw you, Fridge, you're not getting over. <laughs> no, it's not happening. Fridge is not getting over. No. Ugh. I need to get a guest so you can't hear Fridge. <laughs> Fridge is not getting over. It's not happening. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for listening to this. Uh, if you want to, I can just quickly get up my document that has got all the things I need to plug before I sign off. I can bloody find it. Right, so I'm back here next Thursday on LOP Radio. I'll be doing something, maybe post AW thing because I'm really high in AW. But we've got Dynamite After Dark, so maybe it'd be WWE as I be happy. And I enjoy Raw. And then I didn't even watch SmackDown this week. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, I want to be happy coming into this. Like, Dynamite was the last thing I watched, and then it really helped the pay per view. Anyway, we have got the late, not the late shift, that was Stephen Bell's former show. We have got the Legacy Series NWA currently taking place, where uh, they've had to take off a week this week, but they'll be doing awesome stuff uh, for, for afterwards. Uh, Saturdays is reserved for our AEW Aftershock shows, as you can probably tell by now. Sundays reserved for WWE Aftershock shows. Uh, Tuesdays is Kingdom of Honor with Jaman and his friend Jeff talking whatever wrestling stuff. Uh, Wednesdays the final uh, of final episode of Planet Sport Entertainment is Dead came up this month, so if you want to uh, go and check those out as well, uh, we'll just see. I might be moving to Wednesdays. If we got Dynamite After Dark, which is on a Wednesday slash Thursday anyway, then early on a Friday we've got uh, the NWA, the Legacy Series. So me on a Thursday, I don't know if that's too crammed, and maybe I could move to Wednesday. But does that really do it any better? Because I move further away from being in one squish and to the start of another. I mean, it's a good problem to have, <laughs> but it's just yeah, that's a that's a thing. Yeah, uh, thank you for listening to this. Um, thank, please, thank you for listening to every other show on NAP Radio. You can follow me to, on Twitter at the Damn Cat. You can follow Lords of Pain or Vesting Headlines as we are uh, slowly rebranding to. It's a gradual thing. We're not trying to, like, suddenly everything is this. But yeah, Lords of Pain becoming WrestlingHeadlines.com or .net. I should probably learn this. <laughs> uh, Lords of Pain.net will still work. It'll still link you to the same website. So it's just like the name is changing, so you can search for Wrestling Headlines, which is a name that has been associated with Lords of Pain for ages. We're just actually using it now, uh, and I can tell people what site I write for without them thinking it's a sex thing. Hooray! <laughs> Finally, <laughs> uh, that, but Tim Rose did remind me that, that that's not necessarily a bad thing, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a truth thing. Uh, 
Anyway, did you enjoy AEW Revolution as much as I did? Uh, are you excited for Dynamite this week? What do you think of John Moxley as champion? What did you make as that tag match? Are you all in on it? Or what do you think it was overrated or whatever? Uh, comment, or, or I guess comment below if you're on YouTube. Comment on the speech bubble thing if you're on Spreaker. And comment in the comments if you're listening to this on lawsofpain.net live itself. Both the podcast and the YouTube feeds for this show are both there on the Laws of Pain post if you really want to find it. If you're at this point and you somehow don't know that, um, I don't know how <laughs> how you've not found a fee. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so tired. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to me ramble on about like sweet nothings. Uh, thank you for listening to LP Radio. Follow me on Twitter. Follow Wrestling Headlines on Twitter. F- visit Wrestling, uh, Wrestling Headlines or LawsOfPain.net as well. Uh, subscribe on the YouTube. Uh, like the video. That means a lot as well. It's just we're at that point where engagement is all that matters right now and I don't care if it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down or whatever just engagement that is that's all that's required <laughs> hence the random smiley face thing <laughs> it doesn't really matter just engagement anyway with that I say thank you for listening and I bid you adieu and good night adios and on the podcast thing because I am not like mental uh, can I uh, because I'm not mental I'm going to uh, just you know end the podcast one now yeah because I can't click three things at once Uh, thank you for listening I'll be back on Thursday talking about something to do with wrestling (laughs) amazing plug Uh, without video do adios